everyone. This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the Busy Mom Podcast. I'm so glad that you are listening today. I want to give a shout out to all the moms who are uh, looking at the middle of, of uh, October and thinking that the school year should be done. <laughs> I, totally, I can totally uh, feel you on that one. I did, my husband and I uh, the other day had uh, a couple of appointments that we had to be at and a pretty big meeting that we had to be at in downtown Vancouver. And I always do meetings or any kind of work that I have to do. I try to do it in the afternoon so that I can stick to sort of sitting and reading and doing things I love to do with my kids in the morning and not feel rushed and and pressured and turn into the yelling, screaming homeschool mom. Not that that's ever happened to me, but if it did, that would be a scenario that might incite that kind of behavior. And uh, during my afternoon meeting, the gentleman that was meeting with me said, you know, why is it that you always do afternoon meetings? And I said, well, I'm homeschooling still. And he said, I thought your kids were grown. And my husband said, we had kids for 20 years. <laughs> so we're going to be homeschooling for a very, very long time. So I am thrilled today to have a friend on the podcast who totally gets that and uh, really understands homeschooling families and is someone I greatly respect. Steve Demi is back uh, today. We're going to be talking a little bit about speaking the truth in love and why it's so important to be biblically literate. And uh, and why it's important that we understand uh, God's heart, and particularly now uh, with what's happening around. So, Steve, thanks for coming back. Uh, thanks for taking a chance <laughs> and coming back to talk to me again today. <laughs> it's always a pleasure. <laughs> so, let me just ask you, just for the fun of it, uh, how's this election uh, working for you? Are you having a good time yet? Well, I um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm just so. My gut is the the people behind the media, you know, the people in their little boardrooms and stuff, they saw that uh, Trump was the most vulnerable and they pumped him mm-hmm. and they got him the nomination. And now they know that they can dump him. <laughs> so yep. we went from pump Trump to dump Trump because they knew that he was the most vulnerable. But um, mm. to me, the bigger issue is not who's the president, but who's going to be appointing the next Supreme Court justice. Absolutely. And I went online this morning and I started reading about the length of time. And then we lost Justice Scalia, who was, oh goodness, he was just the ideal Supreme Court justice. Yeah, he was a constitutionalist. And and we have one opening there and we're going to have a couple more openings in the next four years. And the way we live in this litigious society, who's in that Supreme Court make those decisions and how they view the Constitution to me is paramount. And yes. um, that's that's the thing that resonates with me. But unfortunately, I don't hear anybody, at least on my Facebook feed, I don't read anybody talking about that, which is so much more important than these other issues. So Yeah, it's so true. And I, you know, I said, I wrote a post a couple of days ago that sort of lit my Facebook page on fire, which I I don't know if I was intending to do that. I don't think I was necessarily intending to do that, but I was almost issuing a little bit of a reprimand just saying, listen, if abortion and the Supreme Court were the only two issues at play and Donald Trump was even more of an egregious candidate to me than he already is, I'd still vote for him because the alternative is unimaginable to me. You know, a, a person in the White House who would have the kind of power to appoint, you know, we're going to, long after we forget the kinds of horrific things that Donald Trump said when he was, you know, a reality talk show star or a reality TV show star, long after we forget what he said, the repercussions of who gets appointed to the Supreme Court, are gonna, we're going to be living with those. 
And so uh, we've been encouraging people, boy, howdy, don't sit this one out. Uh, We can't sit it out and we can't afford to vote for a third party candidate, which have no chance at winning, even though we may feel better about it. Uh, Ultimately, uh, we're going to, you know, if if every Christian sits it out or they vote for uh, a third party candidate, we're really going to do is end up with Hillary Clinton in the White House. And that's the truth. Kind of a scary scenario. And that's. That's who I am. I'm anybody that can beat Hillary. That's who I'm voting for. So. That's right. That's what I'm doing too. I'm I'm totally with you. Not necessarily popular uh, right now, but that's uh, that's my story, and I'm uh, I'm sticking to it. <laughs> hey, Amen. I read something from you uh, about your book, Speaking the Truth in Love, and you have a series of books that you gave to me this last conference season, and I loved them so much. I told you the second time I, the next time I saw you, I said, "Hey, I need more of your books because I gave them away." <laughs> I gave them to people who I thought really needed them and who would be really encouraged because it's so easy for us as parents, especially to lose sight of the eternal significance of the relationships that we're building with our, with our families while we're raising them, uh, while our kids are young. And I still have, you know, four children at home. Three of our kids are grown. And now uh, like you, we have grandkids too, which amazing, loving the grandkid thing. Uh, But the Bible teaches us effective principles of communication. And you've said on your uh, on your website with regard to the book that you wrote, and I've been teaching the same thing for years also, that the principles that the Bible teaches really are for all generations. The Bible is relevant. I keep hearing people say, oh, the Bible's antiquated. Oh, Christianity's out of touch. But these are, these are the words that came from the one who created us and knows us. And his word is timeless. And I love that you said that your relationship with your wife and your kids was transformed through understanding those effective principles of communication and through um, what you call safe communication. And so I'm kind of wondering, I'd like to sort of pick this up there. If you could talk to our listeners about when you talk about safe communication, what what do you mean? I sometimes, um, I mean, obviously I could do a great seminar on what I wish I had done differently. Mm. Well, I think I, I can do one too. We'll we'll do one. We can we can do it together. <laughs> That'll right. be entertaining. I think that um, one of the things that uh, because some of it goes back to my own identity because I I took information personally, which is until we had the consultant slash counselor sitting at our table, helping our family to work through what it meant to be a family business and develop our new um, vision statements and all that corporation rules and all that. I I wondered um, why wasn't I able to hear from my kids? And then I realized it's because I took everything they said personally. So if you, Mm. if you gave me input as a businessman or my wife gave me input of being a better dad or a better husband, or someone didn't like the way I spoke at conferences, you weren't criticizing my content. You were criticizing my person. Mm -hmm. And, and so taking everything personally, my, my wife and kids aren't stupid and they know that, they can push Pop's buttons pretty easily, especially when he's tired. Well, mm. it seemed like I was mostly tired because I felt like I was always never really measuring up as a Christian. I had to be doing more for God. And any energy I had, I wanted to expend it in his kingdom. But I was always convinced that it was God first, family second, and then ministry. And so I gave myself to my family. I gave myself to my ministry. 
but I wasn't comfortable in my own relationship with God myself. And I wasn't comfortable in my own identity as just being his son. And, and the verse that changed my life was John 15:9. And Jesus is speaking about his dad, his father. And he says, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. And that just went right to my heart. And I thought, as much as God the Father loved his son, that's how much Jesus loves me. And that, it, it transformed me, that thought. Because, and the more, the more I take in how much he loved me, you know, the Bible says we love others because he first loved us. The more I take in God's love, the more I love others, the more I love God himself. And so it's got this wonderful circular relationship. The more I take in his love, the more love I have for him and for others. But then I'm in a good place now, best place I've ever been in my relationship with my God. And now I'm able to go to my kids and talk and not take things as personally. And my wife and I spend usually an hour a week or we have a set time we meet Wednesdays at 10 o'clock in the morning, tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, we have what we call our fair chat where we talk and we talk about almost anything. And there was years that there were things that we just tiptoed around and we didn't really confront or they might come out in a heated moment and then it would do damage. And, and now we're having these chair chats because we want to maintain this relationship, this new relationship we have, but it all goes back to, for me, I'm not even any good at a chair chat unless I spend some time in God's word with my God in the morning before I sit down with my family. And so if I could do it all over again, one of the things that I would do is I'd spend more time developing and being rooted and grounded in God's grace and God's love and create a safe home where my kids could talk about anything, even if it was contrary to what the big six foot five eighth of a ton man thinks and um because it wasn't that way i mean i tried to be open but they knew exactly what i thought about things and and um with trepidation they would bring up all you know alternate views of stuff but you know this is what teenagers do and i wish i had been big enough and and rooted enough and secure enough in my own skin that I could be able to have a discussion and let them think differently. Because now we have four denominations represented in our family. How do you like that? We're a real interdenominational fellowship now. I kind of think our family's similar. I think we kind of have a similar thing going on. Um, I kind of... It's a, it's a good thing, but go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I want to just you know jump off of what you just said and make sure that listeners are really clear about what you mean, because I think this is something that comes up a lot, um, especially in the culture right now, because the culture is warring against the things of God, warring against human sexuality the way God designed it, warring against marriage the way yep. God designed it. And it's one thing for our children to bring... Uh, differing opinions, which obviously, you know, that happens in every relationship. It's another thing for us to accept a, a position that goes against what God says. So there are things that are, uh, you know, things that we can argue about and we can go, okay, well, I don't agree with you, but they're not, it's not a deal breaker. And I'm wondering how do you, how do parents, uh, when their kids come to them and they, they're sharing an alternative point of view that really is counter to God's word, how do you, 
uh, speak the truth in love. I mean, that's really what God asks us to do. We're not at, we're not called to sacrifice truth on the altar of mercy, and yet so often we either sacrifice truth on the altar of mercy, or we take the hard line. Uh, legalistic point of view where we just speak the truth and there's no love in it because, well, this is what God says, so get over it. You know what I mean? Where do where do we find yeah. God's heart in that? Well, I here's, here's where we are, and this is what I wrote that book about. The goal of communication is not to convince somebody of your position. It's to understand their position. And then when you and I understand each other, we have a much better chance of finding common ground, examining it according to scripture and discussing it in a reasonable, rational fashion. Right. But, but let's say for example, that my wife and I get really good at communicating. And let's say we still had kids at home like you and Jay do. And we say, we're going to have a family communication night. We're going to meet once every two weeks and everybody gets a chance to talk. And from the youngest to the oldest, we're not going to interrupt. We're going to maintain eye contact. No one will have their electronic media on. All these things that I talk about in the book, which is, you know, it's just speaking like you want to be spoken to. And then, and here's what's going to happen. I'm just going to warn you. The first night, someone like my son is going to say, I don't think we should use blocks to teach math. (laughs) Okay. Now, what are they doing? What they're doing is they're throwing out a test balloon to see how I'm going to respond to that. Right. Because they know I think you should use blocks to teach math. So, <laughs> and so, and you know this is going to happen. And so, if I my my normal response in the flesh would be, you want to eat, right? <laughs> that would be that would be the normal response. Instead, if I say, well, what is it about? the blocks that you don't think are effective or can you think of another way that would be much more effective see if i respond thoughtfully instead of react emotionally then we're gonna he's gonna he's gonna get the message pop is serious about this communication he really wants to understand me instead of defending his own position Mm. and that's two different ways of communicating and i have to tell you most of my life i've been trying to convince people of something i'm either Convincing them they need to believe in Jesus, convincing them they need to read the Bibles, convincing them they need to be more pro-family. I'm all, and I'm right. The thing is, is that I do know the truth. I do know Jesus. I do know his word. I do know his principles. But even when I was listening to people, all I was doing was listening for an opening or something that I could use to then get my position in. You see what I'm saying? It mm-hmm. was, it, it was really what I'm trying to advocate now is. I didn't really want to understand them. I just wanted to convince them that my position was right. Mm-hmm. And so now my, my wife and I sit down and talk. Hopefully we're in a good place because in the past, my wife would say, we need to talk. To me, that is a totally negative experience about to happen because I knew that I had messed up somewhere and I'm about to hear about it. And so 10% of me is watching her. 90% of me has got my research team on hold. I've got my lawyer on call. And <laughs> I'm, a, I'm assembling my defense team. Yeah. And now I'm more rooted and grounded in God. And I really don't want to defend myself. I just want to understand her. I'm totally engaged. Yeah. 
And I'd listen to her. And then when she's done talking, I ask questions to clarify some things she may have said. And then I might even rephrase it and say, is this what I hear you saying? But my whole goal is to hear her and understand her. And then we change seats, so to speak. And then her whole goal is to hear and understand me. You'd be surprised how wonderful communication can be if you're not each trying to win a debate or convince each other of your positions but taking deep breaths and once in a while, if your buttons start to get pushed, just say, you know, I need a little water break. Um, <laughs> need a little, I need to go outside and have some air for a second <laughs> because that last comment, it kind of hurt me and I need to go figure out why it hurt me. And you see what I mean? It's just, yeah. it, it, it's just so effective that way. And um, yeah, we work at it though. I mean, community. And what I try to tell people is, Practice the principles that are revealed in Scripture, being slow, what? Quick slow to, hear, to anger, slow to abounding in love. Like that. Yeah. And, and words matter. They absolutely, well, words. boy, we're learning that. This is the election that's teaching everyone <laughs> that God's word yeah. is true when it comes to talking about words. I want to throw something else out there. You know, we're talking about this, and uh, I really appreciate what you're saying, and, and especially when it comes to. Uh, really building up relationships with each other. You know, I grew up with, uh, there were seven kids in my family and because my parents' marriage was on the verge of, you know, catastrophe all the time. I mean, they ended up getting divorced, but, you know, we grew up at sort of DEFCON 6, you know, everything was, everything was a fight. Everything was an argument. And uh, I had to really, for me, it was coming around and realizing that uh, someone like my husband could give me an, a point of view, whether I agree with it or not. I had to trust that he loves me, that his heart toward me is good. And I think our kids need to know that what, even if we disagree, that we still love them, that love is paramount. But I also want to yes. just uh, remind listeners that, you know, the Bible says in First Peter, I think it's three, that we're always supposed to be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks us to give the reason for the hope that we have. And I think what you're saying is not we we throw out that argument. What you're saying is we need to be able to give it in love. We need to be able to say, why do you think? Because, you know, it's interesting to me to note that once the Holy Spirit's at work in the life of somebody, uh, God is doing that work in them. And I think oftentimes when we are communicating harshly, it's that we don't trust that God can speak to that individual. We've forgotten you know, particularly when we were talking to those uh, believers who are saved, you know, we've people who are saved, we've forgotten that they have the Holy Spirit inside of them and that they can listen to him. And so I think sometimes that transforming work just happens just exactly like how you were saying uh, is getting before the Lord every morning, which is why it's so important. Spend time in the Lord, have the Lord, you know, Lord, center me, help me. I'm going to need your help. Like I haven't even stepped out of my front door and I'm already acknowledging what a screwed up mess I am. Unless you come in and your Holy Spirit guides and directs me and you help me uh, be motivated by love, be motivated by my love for other people. And then it's amazing what God will do because we're not accountable. And I think so many of the questions that I get on the podcast are from uh, moms in particular and dads too, but they're struggling to uh, understand how to even fit in this culture that is so counter to uh, the word of God. And the Bible is saying, Speak the truth, but do it in love. So we never sacrifice, we never compromise truth, but we've got to be listening in a way that, uh, and answering in a way that says we are prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. And we know that God is the one who is uh, ultimately 
accountable for that person's response to truth. It isn't us. And I think sometimes we take that responsibility on ourselves and that makes us even more defensive because like you said before, we want so badly to convince somebody that we're right, that we're willing to sacrifice a relationship to do it instead of going back and saying, all right, Lord, I said what I believe to be true. If I'm wrong, please show me. And if I'm right, please help this person to see uh, the the truth of your word and how to walk in it. Because that's at the end of the day, that's what we're called to do. Yeah. One of, one of my sons went to college and he came home and I could tell he was nervous, but he sat down with me and he said, uh, he's in his twenties at this point. He said, I have to tell you that I had a crisis in college this year. And I said, well, of course my heart sank. And I said, what was right. it? And he said, well, I, I went to college and I pardon my French, but he met a liberal who was a Christian <laughs> and a nice French. guy. And he said, Pop, when I heard you talk about people like this persuasion with your buddies or on the phone, it really shook me. And he said, if you had just explained to me why you believe in pro-life and why you believe in limited government and why you believe in lower taxes, and he said, you just assumed because we grew up in your home that, that we all took, we thought the same way that you did. Mm. But you never explained to us, and you never gave us a reason for the hope that lies within you. Mm. He said that would have made such a huge difference. And he said he came around okay, but um, he did make me wonder what else I'd said that wasn't accurate because obviously that wasn't accurate. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well, and it's yeah, explaining. I, I, I think I it's explaining. Quick again. Yep, so. yep. And I think what you're doing really is reminding us it's not enough just to say this is what we think. We need to be able to say this is why we think this. This is and be able to back it up with scripture and be able to come across as people who really have and are guided by the Holy Spirit. And honestly, this is a good reminder for everybody. It's a good reminder for me right now. This are this is a tough season. I mean, you and I are talking to each other right in the middle of, I think, the most contentious election cycle ever in the history of our country that I can remember. I mean, clearly I haven't been alive since, you know, elections began, <laughs> but in my lifetime. I've never seen anything like it, and I think the reminder is good for everybody that we need to communicate in a way that reflects the heart of Christ uh, to those that we, obviously to those that we love, but also to a world that's watching. Amen. Steve, you know that I love you, and I really appreciate you taking the time. I've gone well over my time today, so but I know my audience is going to forgive me because they're going to have been so blessed by uh, listening to you. So thank you so much for uh, engaging in this discussion with me, and I hope you'll come back uh, on the podcast again sometime, and maybe after the election if we survive, and uh, we can talk again. <laughs> <laughs> love to the St. John. Tell all your kids and your husband I said hello. Thank you, love my friend. Jesus. Thank you. I will. Everybody, thanks for listening today. We'll see you back here next time at the Busy Mom Podcast. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.